Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. It's our fifth podcast of the week, and we want to do a really good show for you previewing the USC-Arizona State games. We're bringing in Chris Cartman from Sun Devil Source, uh, part of the Scout.com network. He does a great job of covering Arizona State. You can follow him on Twitter at Sun Devil Source, and of course, the website is SunDevilSource.com. We want to welcome Chris in. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, previewing USC versus Arizona State. Hey, great to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Awesome. Is it? We haven't had you on the show before back in no, the day? No, no, I'm just making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know, I thought we might have had you on from other I, previews. I've been on, I've been on your show, yes. Um, yeah, we're, you know, we, this is really, like, really, literally my fifth podcast just for USC this week. We also did a uh, couple of podcasts of champions. You can go check those out at pack12podcast.com. But just, uh, it's going to be a crazy, I think, first opening weekend you know, USC already played Stanford last weekend, but really all the rest of the teams except Washington State are in action. Um, and Colorado has a, a cupcake game. But, you know, having five matchups between Pac-12 teams and, of course, USC, Arizona State, one of the bigger ones, it should be a really interesting weekend. Yeah, and I, I don't even think that the Pac-12 is really settled in yet, or maybe just college football in general hasn't really settled in. I, I don't know if it's just something this year or – or whatnot, but I, but I think there's um, a lot of these teams are going to look and and play quite a bit differently in let's say another month or six weeks than they are right now, and, and that's going to be really interesting to see kind of unfold. Uh, of course, you know if you if you get off to a bad start, you could be out of the race uh, by then. So uh, this game certainly ASU USC. That's a I mean it's huge. Always um, since they've gone to the split conference structure. But in particular, uh, with uh, ASU really not playing all that well to start and USC coming off of its first loss. And so a lot of dynamic stuff. I don't think anybody's going to get fired at the tarmac after this, you know, <laughs> but, but I, I think, I think there's a lot of subplots and, and things going on. There are a lot of subplots. And it's funny because there's going to be pressure on Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, it's almost a must win game for him. If you know, you're picked to win the Pac 12 South. Uh, you win the pick the whole, you're picked to win the whole Pac 12 and you start off 0 and 2 in conference. You know, both of these teams are picked 1 and 2 in the South. They both already have a loss. And, you know, of course, Arizona State with Texas A&M, it's not in conference, so it's not really going to hurt the conference race. Uh, but I think there's a lot of subplots. You talked about, you know, two years ago, that's when Lane Kiffin was fired. And now there's all these internet rumors with Lane Kiffin going on, like in the anniversary, two year anniversary of his firing about maybe getting fired down there in Alabama and all this kind of crazy stuff's been going on. So it's a, uh, there's a lot of weird things I think that could be going on in college football, and this game kind of could be like the epicenter of all of that. Yeah, hide your kids, hide your wife, right? <laughs> um, no, I, I just like, I mean, you got the Arizona UCLA uh, thing, and who would have really necessarily thought that that's where game day would be this week? You know, people, if anything, you would have thought it probably would have been uh, in Tempe if it was a Pac-12 thing with uh, USC, ASU. 
And but it's so wide open. I I really do think that again we'll see the South come down to the last week of the season, which it really has um, every year since uh, they split it up. And and it makes for a really exciting uh, kind of a thing. Of course, if if you know you're you're ASU or USC fan, you kind of are at this place where you're just itching for the team to win the you know the South and then advance beyond that. And um, that really hasn't happened yet. So. Um, we'll see if this is the year as of right now, I, I'm not sure it really looks like it though. Yeah. I mean, it does, you know, neither of these teams are, I mean, I think UCLA's probably looked the best in the South. Utah looks really good. Arizona looks really good. Uh, but yeah, like, I think I agree with you. I think this is going to come down to the last week uh, of the season, but this is really, I don't think this is an elimination game for Arizona state, but it, per, you know, it very well could be for USC starting off. zero and two, uh, in conference. And I, I, you know, watched Stanford the first couple games. They didn't look that impressive to me, Chris. And then they look really good Saturday night in the Coliseum uh, when they beat USC. Um, you know, same kind of thing with Arizona State. You know, it just didn't, you know, gave up a lot of sacks against Texas A&M. Berkovici just doesn't look like the same guy. But I kind of get the feeling that Arizona State's going to kind of get some some guys back from injury and kind of put it together and play a, a, a much tougher game and play a more complete game against USC. I don't know what you think. Well, the crazy thing is, I don't know why exactly, but ASU seems really confident uh, this week. It's not like they view USC as this daunting challenge. And, and probably, of course, that's because they've had a lot of success against USC in recent years, right? I mean, um, they're averaging 38 points or something against USC uh, in the last five games. Uh, of course, they had the the Hail Mary, whatever, win. That was kind of crazy last year. But the year before that, they scored 62 points against USC the last time these two teams played in Tempe. And um, and so they're just maybe they're maybe they should have a little bit more um, kind of concern given the, the the issues that do exist through three games. But I just sense a team that's really kind of confident and believes that um, it really should be on par with the USC should win. Um, and, and I would say, quite frankly, uh, while, while ASU is a well-coached team and has been pretty successful recently with back-to-back 10-win seasons and all of that, I, I don't think ASU talent-wise is on par with USC. And so it has to play a much better game, probably on average, in order to, to escape with a win. And and I haven't we haven't seen ASU do anything like that uh, as yet, especially on the offensive side. So it's going to take a much better performance for ASU in this game than any of its three games uh, to this point in the season. Well, let's talk about the Arizona State offense. You know, losing Jalen Strong, it seems like I mean he was such a uh, a dynamic playmaker for the Sun Devils. It doesn't seem like there's really anyone that's kind of stepping into his role. I thought maybe DJ Foster would would do some of that. Um, but what's what's really been like kind of the issue so far this year with the Arizona State offense? Well, they don't really have an identity. And last year they were so reliant on Jalen Strong, especially when you had Taylor Kelly get hurt, Berkovici comes in, who's that rock that kind of stabilizes you on the offensive side of the ball. I think I think that was definitely Jalen Strong. Not only did they lose him, but they lost Cameron Smith to a knee injury for the season. He was their number two receiver. Um, as far as that, the actual wideouts in, in terms of catches and production. So th- they, they moved DJ Foster out to receiver this year from running back, reason being 
Demario Richard, who's a sophomore, um, looked really good last year. He was uh, four touchdown MVP, MVP performance against Duke in the Sun Bowl, and he averaged more yards per carry than Foster. He's more of a physical inside runner. Then you got Kalen Balaj, who was a four star guy out of Colorado. He's two hundred thirty pounds and a ten seven hundred meter guy, great athlete. Uh, but he had he had mono, so he missed the first three games, and then. Deshavon Hayes, who was like their third running back, who also plays in the slot in their two back formations, uh, he gets more carries against Texas A&M as a result of that. But then he gets hurt in the first quarter of the next game against Cal Poly. So now they had to move DJ Foster back into the backfield. And the guy that um, they really wanted to to get all the reps behind Foster at the receiver position that he plays on the field side is Tim White. Well, he had a broken hand from camp that um, kept him out of the first game. I think he played only a handful of snaps and looked really good in the fourth quarter in the second game. So he wasn't even really totally online yet. And then the guy behind behind him, Fred Gamage, he has a right arm injury. So they so they're trying to like shuffle all these pieces around. And ASU doesn't have the the depth that you have at a USC or that you have in the SEC or some of these really elite recruiting uh, entrenched programs. So the way I look at it is I think ASU really has about six um, premier dynamic players on offense. And you had three of them out. You had one of them who was playing a different position that you, than you ideally wanted. It caused a lot of problems. And then beyond that, uh, ASU has been such a zone read type of a, a offense that Taylor Kelly, when he was the quarterback, it really, um, it really kept balance and it, and it allowed them to run because he was able to keep that end staying home instead of crashing down. He could pull it and get a yard, get a lot of yards. Certainly Berkovici had a great game against USC, but if you remember last year in the Coliseum, ASU only ran for 31 yards in that game. It was basically all just, throwing the ball, the two late touchdown drives, and then and it was what happened. So ASU needs a lot more balance, and it hasn't had that balance with Berkovici carrying over to this season. And so there's all these factors coupled with, on top of all this, the two new offensive tackles haven't really done a very good job, and so there hasn't been a lot of time for Berkovici to find guys down the field. And the, the net result of all this is ASU's averaging about 10 points fewer through three games than it did in any of the three seasons total uh, of Graham's first, uh, you know, three years at ASU. What's the thought there? Did people feel like Berkovici can kind of turn it around? Obviously it's not all on his shoulders. There's, you know, as you mentioned, a bunch of other issues going around, but it, it seems like, you know, it might not be this weekend. It could be, but he's going to catch his stride and he's going to get back to slinging, you know, the gunslinger kind of guy that he is. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that he'll just, never like take it to another gear. I think that will happen. I think that um, as they start getting some of these guys healthier and then they get more of a rhythm established, I don't think Mike Norvell, the offensive uh, coordinator at ASU, really had a great feel for his personnel, especially in light of all these tinkering that they had to do to get their 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 players on the field. So so certainly I think they're 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 getting there. If this last game against New Mexico uh, the end of the, the second quarter, they had a seven consecutive reception, seven throws, two-minute offense, touchdown. Third quarter, uh, they had touchdowns in, in a couple drives, and they looked a lot better. So, so 
really, they started to show something. Of course, it was against a really awful Cal Poly defense. And so I don't even know if you really can count that fully. Uh, but we know that Berkovici's um, got the ability to really read defenses. He's uh, someone that they've given a lot of ability to check at the line of scrimmage. And he's he's a veteran guy, even though he hasn't started a lot of games in his career. And he has a great understanding of the scheme and everything. So I think it will happen. The, the, the uh, Norvell and Del Alexander, the receivers coach, they really believe ASU's receivers are actually, on the whole, a little bit more athletic and deeper than they have been in the past, but it's just been slow getting everything up to speed. And I don't know if it's going to happen this week, Ryan, but it might. I mean, USC, they tend to be pretty conservative, it seems like, on defense. I watched that Stanford game. Um, There were a lot of opportunities in the passing game. Hogan had time to operate. And and then also USC doesn't really appear to have great uh, pass rushers on the edge. And so that, that also plays uh, to ASU's favor because it hasn't handled blitzing well. It hasn't handled speed rushers on the edge. If you do give Berkovici a lot of time and ASU protects well enough, I think they could they could get into a rhythm and turn it into um, – a really, really well-contested medium to high-scoring game. Yeah, USC fans don't want to hear that, but I could completely see that happening, Chris, like where it, this is another situation where I think a more aggressive approach, we're going to talk about aggressive when we talk about the Arizona State defense, uh, would be beneficial for, for USC. If you, if you asked Arizona State's offense, like, hey, would you rather them sit back in coverage or uh, really try to pressure, you know, pressure us. And I think Arizona State would say, yeah, I'd rather have him sit back in coverage and give Berkovici some time to, to pick, you know, pick his spots and, and try to find some guys down the field. So that'll no be interesting question. to see what they do, you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I mean, that's, that's what everyone associated with ASU is hoping happens is that <laughs> they, they kind of just don't, you know, they just let him try to find his spots because, I mean, that's what he did last year successfully. That's where he's kind of more in his element. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the defensive side, which you'd never have to worry about aggression with Todd Graham because, man, that's a, you know, the blitzing percentages, you know, people are talking about, well, did USC blitz 30% or 40%, whatever? Like, that's, that's a, you know, child's play for, <laughs> for Todd Graham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. To put it in perspective, Kevin Sumlin after the uh, ASU Texas A&M game, and keep in mind, he had the whole offseason to study ASU. He goes, Man, I knew they blitzed a lot, but I feel like they blitzed on every single down. Uh, <laughs> like, like Todd Grant, I, I really have started to call it the Russian roulette style of defense. Like, he's going to just say, okay, here's our six guys. They're coming at you. We're going to do it in a variety of ways. And we're going to play a lot of cover zero man behind it. We're going to play bump coverage at the line of scrimmage because we're going to try to disrupt you. Uh, your receivers from from getting into your routes. We're going to try to uh, impact the quarterback before he has a chance to find somebody to throw the ball to. We're going to make him throw, put the ball in jeopardy, kind of throw jump balls. ASU has been great at two statistics that have really buoyed the whole program in the last three years. One is they force a ton of three and outs. And the reason is because they get a lot of negative plays from sacks and TFLs. Uh, and then two, they force a lot of turnovers. They've been uh, one of the best teams, maybe even the best team in the conference over three years at uh, turnover margin. And that's obviously huge. And uh, two years ago, I remember Cody Kessler had a pick six to Alden Darby for ASU uh, here in Tempe. And then 
Kessler had another interception. And th- those two things were really prominent in, in what enabled ASU to put 62 points on the board. Kessler hasn't thrown an interception this year, correct? So, right, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, that, they're, they, they need, they know that this is a, a quarterback who's completing 80% of his passes. You have some of the best receivers in the, in the country, certainly in the conference. And you got to make him unsettled. And also Kessler, I'm not saying he can't scramble for some yards when flushed, but he's not a, he's not the mo- most mobile guy. Like you have to just bring the house at him and try to make him make mistakes. And that's, that's Todd Graham raises his hand all day about that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the USC offensive line did. Cause even when I think they did a pretty good job against the Stanford front, um, that was, you know, pretty thin. But they were able to stunt and not even blitz that much, but really just kind of run some twists or whatever and do some kind of things to confuse the USC offensive line and get pressure with, you know, three or four guys rushing the quarterback. I, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. You do that with six, you know, with, from Todd Graham and there could be some real issues there. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how the USC offensive line handles that, how Cody Kessler is. And, you know, I, you would, you would think there's, there's something in the game plan where they could have dump offs and, uh, hot reads and stuff because you you might have to get rid of the ball a lot quicker than you think. Yeah, I agree. I think Stanford, they're so great at these A-gap stunts, and that's where they got USC. Um, they execute those things so effectively. And USC, I, I just watching the team play in a couple of the games, I'm really impressed by their offensive line. Very athletic. Max Turek is like a great player uh, at center. They have size and athleticism really across the whole line, but it's some of these um, assignment issues when you start playing twist games and you run a backer from outside across two guys into that A gap that causes problems. I don't think ASU is as precise with its execution of blitzes as Stanford is, but it will uh, really overload blitz quite a bit, try to get somebody, try to get um, where there's nobody to, 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 to uh, handle um, the, the, the max protection if the back tries to slip out. But I think that's what you have to worry about because USC does a good job with screens and they throw to the back really well. ASU is going to have to do a good job of identifying that, making sure that um, they cover the back out of the, out of the backfield. Uh, or else I think that could go for a, a big gain. And so that, that whole, this whole dynamic of how the, the USC max protects and, and holds up against the blitz or how they are able to get the hot routes to, to, um, receivers uh, quickly or to their back. I think that's going to be a really interesting and telling component of the game. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think too, you mentioned the, uh, the three and outs and the negative plays. Um, I was calling, kind of calling this USC offense sort of a front-running offense where when things are going well, you're first and second down, you're not behind in the game. It seems like they're just kind of in a flow, but once the, you know, it's third and long, uh, you're behind and you're kind of pressing, it doesn't look like the same kind of offense. So I think, you know, getting a sack on first down uh, has, certainly has the potential to kill uh, the entire drive. And USC's not been a good third down team this year. Uh, they were, I think their best game was against Stanford. They were 4-10. And two of those third down conversions were for by penalty. So uh, I do think that that could be a big factor if that pass rush and the blitzing is able to force negative plays early in the in the downs. I, I just don't know if USC is going to be able to bounce back. They haven't shown a lot of ability to convert third downs this year, especially you know third and long. So 
Um, they're going to have to get out, you know, avoid those negative plays early in the count. Otherwise, uh, I just don't. They'll probably be punting the football away. Yeah, and you know, ASU will they, they'll run they'll formation blitz on what they think is going to be a run. Like it, if they if they see a formation they they think USC is going to run the ball um, inside, they'll try to just corral that. And the opportunities exist if a line if you have one linebacker who has to have a a, a gap fitted up. If he blows that, you'll see some opportunities for USC to beat ASU right at the middle and, and get some big plays in the run game. But when you have success on your run blitz formation type blitzing, and you, like you said, if you're able to stop a team like USC and make them uh, get into some third and longs where they have a much smaller range of options in the playbook, that's where you can force turnovers and things of that nature. So I do think that for ASU, it's not just about containing Kessler and making him uncomfortable in the pocket, but it's also about really stopping the run on early downs via the approach of just kind of packing it in um, with with the way ASU likes to attack. Uh, maybe we could talk about special teams for a little bit um, just to kind of see, maybe give a little update on what's going on. USC has not been, you know, anything like exotic or crazy on special teams. We've seen Adoree Jackson with, uh, you know, he had a kickoff return or a punt return. Uh, return uh, for a touchdown that was called back for penalty. Um, but, you know, nothing like crazy out of the ordinary. The punt game's kind of been up and down. They, you know, a new field goal kicker has done okay. He had a, a pretty big kick against Stanford. But what on the, the, the Arizona State side, what's the special teams situation been like? Well, this is a really big um, issue for ASU, especially like in the off season. They um, were so unhappy, Todd Graham was with, how his special teams has fared uh, the last few years. He, he first uh, got rid of his first special teams coordinator after um, second season. Then he was taking on more of a responsibility, and they kind of had an all-hands-on-deck mentality last season uh, with special teams. And, and then now this year, um, he hired Sean Slocum, who was formerly the Green Bay Packers uh, special teams coordinator for a number of years. And they have a long-standing relationship. Um, so he's kind of retooled everything about ASU's return schemes, uh, how they do uh, punt cover, kickoff cover. And we've seen some hiccups that were pretty substantial. For instance, Christian Kirk, uh, that's a name USC fans will know. Yep. Um, he had a return for a touchdown against ASU in the opener. And um, ASU's kind of been shaky at times on – uh, handling punts and also uh, with its blocking up front with its punt team. Now, so, now those things have kind of gotten better a little bit to some degree. Um, where ASU's definitely been improved, it was horrible the last couple years at um, kickoff coverage and its kickoffs not being deep enough or into the end zone. They now have Zane Gonzalez, who's the field uh, field goal kicker, place kicker. He's now handling that those duties and he's done much better. So. Um, I think USC probably it'll take a Dory Jackson bringing the ball out from seven eight yards deep probably for USC to have returns and he's talented so maybe you know he he feels like that's that's worth it but um, it's kind of a risk reward thing in that regard punts I think punt cover with Dory Jackson is going to be a concern uh, and then ASU's punter Matt Hawk has been kind of um, all over the place. I, I thought he would be a lot better this season. He's been pretty good, but not as good as I necessarily expected. 
And um, so that that's an issue. I, I think ASU's uh, kickoff returns have been better than I've seen. And I feel like they're kind of close to maybe breaking one. So especially with getting Kalen Balaj back, who's, who's the primary returner, that's something to look for where if they get an opportunity, maybe they, they're able to take advantage of it, get a short field, or, or even take one to the house. We kind of talked about the three different groups, uh, offense, defense, special teams. How do you think this one's going to shape out Saturday night in Tempe, and what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I'll be very candid about it and say I don't really have a great feel for this game, and a lot of times I feel like I do, and then it doesn't work out that way anyway, <laughs> so maybe that's you know that's fine. Um, I, I think USC is going to win is my, is my prediction. I, I have it 34-30. I think ASU is going to maybe struggle in the red zone. I, I don't know that they're, they have that go-to weapon in the red zone yet. They don't have a, a dominant ability to pound the ball with the run in those situations. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they'll have a special teams error. That they haven't been generating the types of turnovers that we've seen or, um, in the past. And the offense just really isn't quite uh, firing all cylinders so i'll take usc but uh, again i don't have a great feel for this one and i really wouldn't be surprised by too much other than uh if asu did blow out usc that would that would surprise me i'm kind of in the same boat chris like i kind of think usc will win uh something in the 30s close sort of game but you know it's a jekyll and hyde kind of thing you're not really sure which team to expect either way I don't even know if it would surprise me if Arizona State, you know, kind of blitzkriegs them and puts up a bunch of points and sends them out, you know, sends them home on a wow. really sour note. I, mean, <laughs> I really I like think, man. I think a lot of different things could happen in this game. I just, I, at this point, at this point of the season, you know, it, what you saw against, you know, Arizona State playing two triple option teams, it's hard to really gauge. Yeah, they were tied with Cal Poly and, you know, in the fourth quarter, but, you know, it's, this is a different animal. I just kind of get a feeling that Arizona State's going to, fix some stuff and and get right for this game and it could be two teams i think usc is going to play better too they'll bounce back and play better than stanford but you might have a high you know high level football in this game and you know maybe a team that plays really well doesn't even end up winning it, it's possible I, I i thought david shaw out coached um usc in that in that game uh usc obviously has superior talent across the board um to to asu and stanford Todd Graham has done a really good job of kind of preparing for teams. Um, I, I'm not sure that Mike Norvell has, is, is really, um, been at his best yet. So I, so I think that that's going to be a factor. If Mike Norvell can put together a really good game plan and then they can execute it against USC, given what I think are, is kind of, frankly, an average, uh, coaching staff that USC has, um, then maybe it's possible. But, but even in that scenario, I don't think ASU is going to going to pull away from USC. I think it, even with all that, it'll probably still be close. All right, it'll be really interesting to see, and we're looking forward to. Uh, I'll be out there, Chris. So look forward. Maybe we can get a an adult beverage or two. And yeah, uh, we'll hang out. I'm ready to do it. Sweet. Uh, well, Chris Cartman does a great job. Uh, worked with him forever on the other network, and he's part of the Scout.com network now. We're so happy to have him. The website is Sun Devil Source. You can follow them at Sun Devil Source. Chris Cartman, thanks so much for coming on. Ryan, you're the best, man. Thanks a lot. Oh, dude, you're you're awesome. Thanks for Chris Cartman and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. I don't think we're done this week. I think we're still going to do some more podcasts, so stay tuned for that.
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.